Happy anniversary to my good friend Chris Blair, and not a wedding anniversary as he was just married in September, but in fact the 10th anniversary of his stellar venue, the Listening Room Cafe in Nashville, Tennessee. And I've spent many a nights in two of his three locations. I, I didn't make the first one in, in Franklin when it was there, and he's transformed it to what it is now. And over the years, I've heard so many incredible musicians, and I've, I've made so many great friends there. It's my home away from home. I love the venue. And Chris has over the years been dedicated to creating one of the finest listening rooms in Music City. And uh, I believe he's hit a home run with his current location at 217 2nd Avenue South. It's just a few blocks away from the Country Music Hall of Fame, from Broadway, right in the middle of everything. It's it's an amazing space. And this is uh, the listening room is one of the first places that I recommend to friends who are traveling to Nashville. And I'll admit, I'm a little biased. I, I've been to many other venues in the city and, and recommend those as well. But I start with the listening room. As it's close to Broadway, it's close to the tourist areas. And uh, it, like I said, it's my home away from home for many years when I spend time there. Amazing food, incredible sound, fantastic people. And one thing, those who aren't familiar with the listening room and are familiar with Nashville, the cool thing about this place is you hear the people who wrote the songs. So you're going to hear hit songs and you're going to wonder, Hey, what, what, who's this guy covering this song? And in fact, it's not a cover. That's the person that wrote it. And that's one of the cool things about the listening room cafe. So if you've never been to Nashville or if you've been to Nashville and, and you strictly go to more of the tourist type destinations, I encourage you to stray just a few blocks away, check out the listening room, meet some of these great songwriters, buy a few CDs. It's an amazing experience. And I'm hoping one day to see the other side of 615, the project of today's guest, Pino Scolacci. I would love to see them perform there, and, and that'd be that'd be an amazing event that I'd love to be a part of. So I always love putting friends together, and the Listening Room Cafe in Nashville, Tennessee, it's a great place to do so. Go there, hear the stories behind the songs, and say hello to Chris and his great staff. Words don't describe how grateful I am to have Dr. Mark Holland and First Capital Chiropractic 
as the longest-running sponsor of the show. And I should. Words is something I'm getting a little better with with this. And uh, having a podcast, it, it allows me to, to talk a bit. Dr. Holland has, has been a great friend for many years. And uh, if you're looking for a chiropractor in the St. Louis area who provides fast, affordable, and effective care, then you have the right people. Often seeing patients within five minutes of arrival. I There's very few times I've, I've had to wait long. Dr. Holland is currently serving patients at their North County office, and his colleagues are taking care of St. Charles, Wildwood, and the downtown locations. And no matter who you see, you're in good hands. I primarily have been to St. Charles and downtown, but have seen pretty much all the doctors in their network over the years. If you're involved with an accident and need help, or if you're just looking to keep your spine in proper alignment, then reach out to Dr. Holland. He can be reached at his North County office through mystlouischiropractor.com or chironrehab.com. You can give them a call, 636-946-7777, and uh, they, can, they can guide you to whichever office is closest to you. I get down to Nashville pretty often and do a little work down there and have a lot of friends. I was down there in September of 2015, just a, a few months back, for, for my good buddy Chris Blair's wedding. It was just it was an amazing day, just good friends, and it was good to see him find his soulmate. So I'm down there for the wedding. He has the reception at the listening room. It was just it's an incredible experience. And, you know, afterwards, he had, a, had some meetings, a little bit of networking, a few days off, and catching up with friends. Hung out with Ben Wilson, stayed a few days with, with he and his wife, Cassie. And if you're if you're down in Nashville, go to Airbnb, and uh, they have they have a space that they rent out. It's beautiful, separate apartment, and you can check that out and and have them host you. And it's it's an affordable price and and just a great space. Hung out with Corey B. Clay, my cinematographer buddy, who I went to college with, and helped him out on a on a great music video that he uh, he put together, and it was a great fun. He also has a, a band called the Twains. He invited me out, so so I went in uh, to a venue I had never been to called Belcourt Taps. Small little venue, but uh, it was a lot of fun. So check Corey out, and and I see this dude carrying conga. So after Corey played, he's packing up his gear, and uh, you know, kind of a short guy has a cool look. You know, the Bono style sunglasses. I'm like, yeah, this guy looks pretty cool, and he's maneuvering through a pretty full house with these uh, conga drums. And I, you know, I ask him for help. He politely declined. I see him set up. And then I go, uh, I catch up with Corey, and, and he's talking to the guy. And it introduces me to him, Pino Squilache. And, uh, you know, didn't have the name at this point, but he, he mentioned the name Pino. And I noticed the accent and threw out a little bit of Italian. And he's from Italy, and, and so it was really fun to, you know, my, my Italian's not great at this time, but I'm working on it and working on it even more now that I know Pino because I would love to speak in his native language, and I just love the Italian language. It's so beautiful. Pino, he he then introduces me to his protege, Ben Sturgill, who's going to be on the next episode of the podcast. And, you know, I see his look. Ben definitely doesn't look country. But I make a joke to him. Are you So you're a country singer? You guys, you, country music? And, and that's that's a misnomer about uh, about Nashville, that, that it's, it is heavy in country music, but as Pino talks about in the podcast, it, it is music city. So I, I make this joke, and Pino rolls his eyes, and, uh, and, you know, right away I knew we'd get along, because we were just goofing on him a little bit, and he's just 
like, Ken, you're you're a goofball, which I am. Yeah, Pino tells me about uh, the other side of 615, which is the project that he has going. Ben is a part of that project. He has an artist named Aubryn. You'll hear her on this episode. And he's just, his style is just, it's very eclectic. World music, just, just amazing. I, I can't, I don't have the musical knowledge to explain it. But I know when I listen to it, I feel something, and and it's it's candy to my ears. It's just it's one of those things you listen to more and more, and you hear so many intricate little things. It's amazing. So we're talking a little bit about uh, a documentary. Pino had said, "Hey, yeah, man, it'd be it'd be cool, man, to make this documentary about other side of six one five, and I think it'd be amazing." So I'm, that's going through my head still. And uh, he also tells me that when he was in Italy before he came to the States that he had an addiction to heroin. And that's really, he explains in the podcast that that's one of the things that really, you know, you look at some people are born into music. And the way Pino's telling me, you know, it's kind of like he died to get into music. He was born again when he was in a coma after a, a drug overdose. And he had this second lease in life. And music was a big part of that. It's something that, I guess you could say found him. Beautiful story. He'll tell a little bit more about that. So he, I'm in Nashville, of course. He invites me to a studio, so I go to check it out. And what a beautiful place! Just this, this wood, and you know, check out if you go to theboomlabs.com, his website, you can look at it. But just beautiful wood, great sound, very warm. Just I felt right at home. And at the time, they were working with these. They were working with a group of songwriters from the UK. There was a, a program that was happening there where um, these artists came into town. They worked with Nashville artists, including Ben. And uh, it, it was a cool experience. It's one of the things they were doing at uh, the Belcourt Taps. They had a showcase. So I met some really cool people there, which hopefully some of those uh, folks I'll be able to interview for the podcast and have a conversation with as well. So this this one artist wanted Peter to play drums, and he goes in and sits down, and, you know, lets me hang in the drum room. So I'm I'm shooting photographs and a little bit of video, and uh, I heard the song a little bit before then, and it was it was a melodic tune, and it seemed uh, you know the tempo was kind of a medium tempo. It was you know something kind of chill, and, and I'm listening to Pino. He's just, he's in the studio, he's hammering the drums. And I'm thinking, hey, he must be warming up. Because what I'm hearing doesn't really fit this tune. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, I'm still learning more. I've always been a lover of music. And you're going to hear that in a podcast. A lot of musicians I'll be, I'll be talking with because it's just something I'm, I'm so passionate about. So I hear him hammering the drums and I realize, okay, and they're, they're calling for different takes. Luke, who, who's a partner of Pino. Is, is in the control room. He's running everything. And, and, you know, I hear them calling out, hey, can you do another? And I was like, oh, okay, wow. I, I don't see how this is going to fit. But I go I go into the control room and hearing the combination of what they had in this drums that he had laid down was just one of the most amazing things. It just added this incredible energy. And that's one thing you'll hear in the songs that, that I introduce you to in this episode as well as other songs which you can hear at his uh, at his website, pinomusica.com. So P-I-N-O-M-U-S-I-C-A.com. You'll hear that sound, and, and it's it's amazing. So there's so much. I could go on and on about this guy. You know, the short time I've met him, it's been a great experience. And, and 
that's part of conversations with Calcaterra is introducing you to the people that I've had the pleasure of meeting in my travels and my work. And it was really cool. I spent I spent New Year's this year in, in Nashville. Well, let me just step back a moment. When I had met Pino at his studio, so we go for a ride in Pino's car, and he puts in a CD, and he plays me a song. He says, it's a cover song, an artist he's working with, well-known. I'd never heard of him, Kevin Max. Pino plays me a, a cover of the Smith song, Last Night I Dreamt Somebody Loved Me. And I wasn't really that far. I'm familiar with the Smiths and Morrissey back in the day through my friend Jake Cowan, but, you know, never was a fan. Jake was into more of the less mainstream music, and, and I was, I think, into what I was hearing on the radio back then. Changed a bit, you know, over the years, and, and now I'm into more of the unique things and have to share some of Pino's music with Jake. Pino plays his song, and I'm the first thing that I think, just to feel the vibe of it, the orchestrated sounds, was, man, this is a James Bond song. And that's a song that we started with this episode. But I was blown away. I was blown away by everything he played for me. Another song, the song from Auburn, he played this song, and I thought, wait, I've heard this song. This, is, Yeah, this is, this is a hit song. And it's not. It just has the sound of that, but it will be. So I'm blown away. I'm, I'm just, it's amazing. So New Year's Eve, went down to Nashville uh, a couple days before the, the New Year and, uh, you know, had, had the privilege of seeing... Uh, Kevin Max performed with a lot of the members of the other side of 615. So it's pretty amazing. You know, Pino's tied it all together. He's brought everyone together. He's put together this great band for a live experience of, of all these classic songs. So I'm trying to bring, uh, I'm trying to bring them to St. Louis to introduce them to, to people here and, and, you know, have a, have a, just a wonderful show. And Kevin's voice is just this iconic voice. It's amazing. So Pino and I talk about it, and we can continue the conversation. Social media is great for that. I would love to hear your feedback. Also, you can reach out to Pino if you'd like. On uh, So he's there. Uh, you know, I have his name listed. Squilache is his last name. I'll just, you know, won't even bother spelling it for you now, but you can you can click on any of his websites. I'll have links for you. You can go to my website, kencalcaterra.com. It's going to be getting a makeover here soon. Uh, you can... Google Conversations with Calcaterra. Find us on iTunes, social media, SoundCloud. Go there, interact. It'd be great to hear from you. And and if you like what you're hearing, give us a review. It's really helpful. Also want to point out that you heard the uh, Star Wars episode, the last episode of the podcast. Stephen Walden and myself have teamed up. We're raffling off his Han and Chewie print. You can win that, $150 value. All you have to do is go to stephenwalden.com. Sign up for his email list. Also, you go to iTunes and you'll leave a review on the Conversations with Calcaterra page. It'd be really helpful, helpful for you to like and share from our other sites as well. Once again, just Google the show. You can find it. Enough, uh, enough of me talking. Let's hear from Pino.
Pino, thank you for having me here today in your wonderful studio. I, this this place is so beautiful. Thank you. My pleasure. And uh, it, Creative Caffeine is the correct name, right? That is correct. And it's, you know, it's a place that I've resided for the last two years, you know, and it's been an amazing experience here. Um, we leased it about, started leasing it about two years ago, and, and uh, we've had the pleasure to make some amazing music in this place, so... Yeah, everything that you've ever played for me is just, it sounds so good. Well, thank you. Now, also, I've seen the name Boom Studios. Is that? It's the Boom Labs. The Boom Labs. Which is really the entity that I own. And it's uh, called, it, I own it with, uh, there is another gentleman that is a, has been a very big supporter. His name is Brad Blankenship. He's a great guy. Um, and a friend. But... The Boom Labs is the production entity that we operate under, and uh, all the work that I, that I do as a producer and a percussionist is uh, pretty much under that umbrella. Okay, yeah, the, the wonderful world of business, everything's segregated and <laughs> keeps keeps it clean, I guess, in the long run. Tell me about the um, the other side of six one five. Well, the other side of 615 is uh, um, something that basically, you know, began unbeknownst to me about 20, no, about 17 years ago, 17, 18 years ago. Uh, I used to, here in Nashville, own a music venue, and that's where that story began of the other side of 615, and that music venue was called Cafe Milano, and uh, I was one of the partners, you know, but I was the founding guy. Started in a little coffee shop in Franklin, Tennessee, just a little background to the story, and and became really successful there. I started it with Brad Blankenship, the same guy that 20 plus years later, you know, we are still working That's together. That's the Brad I met last night? Correct. Yeah, he's he's a cool guy. Yeah, he is, his family. Um, and uh, so we opened this coffee shop called Cafe Milano, put music in there, and I didn't know any better. You know, I just, to me, it was all about, you know, it, there are two styles of music. It's good music or bad music. And that's what I grew up on. And uh, so I... I as a musician, I've always had the, you know, that a little bit of an eye for the right talent, and uh, so uh, I, I would bring music into Cafe Milano in Franklin, and and it just kind of blew up, and then started talking to another gentleman by the name of Norman Miller, you know, who he's passed away unfortunately, but we, and he was a manager for an artist. By, uh, by the name of Phil Kagi, who's a tremendous guitarist. Phil Kagi is, is a legend, basically. And uh, he was, he he and I actually had worked together in Italy in 1982. You know, I mean, we did a show for him in Italy. And then his manager and I uh, get connected because of that. And uh, see, I, I almost feel like I should just, you know, go a little farther back, you know, with this with this story because 
it's like an interesting path of life, you know, and how every every specific, you know, um, moment can be significant in terms of where your future is going to end up, how your future is going to en end up looking like, right? So I did this show for Phil Kagan in 1982 in Florence, Italy, on the Arno Riverfront. There was a tent theater that set 1,500 people, and we sold out two shows with Phil Kagan in 1982. Now you think about that and keep that in the back of your mind. That's the reason why I decided I was going to get into the music industry. I was young, I was excited, I loved music and and that's how I got into the music business. Uh, two years la later another friend of mine and I started a music label and we imported gospel music, some Christian music and also alternative music and jazz and all that stuff and imported it from America and distributed it throughout Italy and uh, through that whole connection I ended up meeting an American woman and getting married and five years later moving to Nashville no I'm sorry full, moving to America and uh, uh, after that, we we moved, I got hired to do a, a rock tour, uh, and in in Europe as a percussionist. As a drum, yes, as a percussionist. I ended up playing drums then because whatever reason the drummer whatever happened happened with him, and so they ha they 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 switched my position at the twenty four hours before the gig, and I ended up playing <laughs> drums on that on that show, but. Long story, I'm just kind of going, giving you the, the very short story. But I lived in L.A., could not take it. It was just not working for me in L.A. And I got hired on this tour. They flew me here to Nashville for rehearsals. And then we went from here. We went to Italy and did the, the whole, you know, the whole tour starting from there. <clears throat> and when I came back and I fell in love with Nashville. I just immediately, like within two days, I knew I was going to be back here. I ended up, the, we did the, the tour um, in June, July, got back to LA, packed my shit, and just the 25th of August, I was driving into town, right? So, long story short, you know, uh, uh, one thing, uh, this is 1993 now, one thing leads to another, I decide I'm going to open a coffee shop and I'm going to call it Cafe Milano. I had no money. I had some money, in a, but a lot of enthusiasm and the landlord was real ni a really nice guy and he wanted to give me an opportunity. So it was like the American dream coming together for me. And then we opened this ca coffee shop and then that... I bring Phil Kagi back in to come and sit in my little coffee shop and we just did acoustic nights because he's a nice guy, right? And he's a friend. And he remembered. And he was he's a genuine person. So he would come in and play these gigs and kinda help me put the place on the map. Through him I meet his manager, Norman Miller. And Norman basically and I decide 
that we're gonna open a music venue downtown Nashville, 250 seat, full production, the whole nine yards. Anyway, long story short, we designed it. We put, put, he brought all the investors together. I was only in the country for five years. I had nothing, you know. And they made it happen. These guys were awesome for that. They believed in the vision, right? So I ended up booking anything I could, you know. And, and, uh, and the place was so well designed that one day Chad Atkins comes, walks in the place and he goes and he checks it out. And then I, I, I wasn't there. And then when I got there, they told me, well, Chad was here last night. And, uh, and I'm like, and I thought that was exciting. So little did I know, the next day, Chad Atkins gets, calls me on the phone and goes, Pino, I like uh, your place. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, first of all, I couldn't believe it was Chad when he was calling me, you know. But he goes, I, I like your place. I like, uh, um, I like how you designed it, how it sounds, I, you know, and I've been on the road so much, I'm old now, I wanna, I wanna just do a residency somewhere, but not a big place, I want a small place, kind of like my friend, um, Les Paul, is doing <laughs> at the Iridium, I think it was in New York, every Tuesday night, he would play a show, he plays a show every week, every Tuesday, and the, play, the place is sold out in advance for months and this and that. That's what I want to do. I just want to, because I got to play. Chet was the ultimate musician. I mean, tremendous, you know, tremendous, uh, 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 just integrity. I loved, I loved he, where he was at. And, and he was, he was, a guitar player first and foremost. Forget the fact that ran an RCA, forget the fact that signed Elvis Presley and so on and so forth. He was a guitar player first and foremost, right? So he wanted to keep playing and he was a tremendous inspiration to me. So I said, sure, when do you want to start? <laughs> Shit, <laughs> you know. And he brought in Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings as guests, and Vince Gill, and Alison Krauss, and John Pizzarelli, and you name it. I mean, the guy himself, I give credit for putting Cafe Milano on the map. Period. End of story. If I said it was to my merit, God would strike, <laughs> strike me with like lightning. You know what I'm talking about? So... <coughs> Chat put the place in the map. All of a sudden, I'm getting calls from all these big jazz art artists, and then I'm, you know, Branford Marsalis started playing there. I played there, and then all the whole jazz community in in New York, you know, for Michael Brecker, Herbie Hancock, um, you know, Tito Puente on the. Uh, Shit. You I name go it. on yeah, and on and yeah. on. I mean, it, everybody played that place. It was the place to play. In the Southeast, it was the number one jazz venue. And I became that for the Southeast and then produced jazz festivals in, in Franklin, Tennessee. You know, I, I had that property. For, I mean, that, that, that show for about three, four years. And 
you know, did a lot of other other things. But the other side of 615, it's not just a current, you know, spare of the moment kind of idea. It's something that started. It's a path on which I was directed by pure fate or God himself, you know, to identify maybe just for my own personal experience, not necessarily, might not ever even really see it a tremendous result, result out of it or develop this beautiful movement that I think should happen. I don't know where it's going to go. It's an embryonic stage in terms of execution still, but it's a path of life that I've been brought through for whatever reason. And I still, to this day, can't really tell you whether or not I know exactly what the purpose is, other than beyond just beyond my own education you know beyond my personal you know development development and growth from the standpoint of <clears throat> the the what i've learned listening as a musician you know i am rich because of that Baby got it from a lover The drink it made him weak When he kisses her and leaves his poison Lingering upon her lips it Makes her leaving legs go frozen Recently, I, I really began hearing drums when listening to music due to two events in my life. The first was meeting today's guest, who have you heard, the maestro, that's what I call him, Pino Squilache. And around the same time, I enrolled my nephew in drum lessons. I called my friend Greg at Dale's Music. A cool thing about Dale's is it's month to month, which provides an option you can go in Pay for the month. If it's four weeks, you get the four weeks. If it's five weeks, you get the five weeks, same price. And it really increased my knowledge and understanding of the craft and, and allows me to listen to music with a different ear. David enjoyed the experience, and I asked him the other day if he still, if he still enjoys playing drums, and he stated that something he wants to do for the rest of his life. So it's, it's really cool to hear a 10-year-old say that, and it's a great skill for him to have in life. I'm really glad he's having fun with it, and I attribute a lot of that to the, the great people at Dale's. So if you know someone interested in guitar, bass, drums, piano, flute, clarinet, saxophone, or vocal lessons, give Greg Smith a call at 314-895-3403. And I'm also speaking with Pino uh, about the idea of coming in from Nashville to possibly host a drum clinic, and Dale's is high on my list as a venue for this. 
He was featured in a, in a great book called Sticks and Skins as as one of the 500 greatest drummers in uh, in the world. So continuing this now long story getting longer. <laughs> one day Chad Atkins is sitting in my green room and it's a story that I've told many times because it's a, it's a significant moment in my life. He's in the green room and he's reading my calendar of events. I walk in the door and he goes, Pino, I like what you're doing here. I said, why is that, Chet? And he goes, because tonight I'm playing here. Then you got Steve Earle, Amy Lou, then you got all this jazz, and then there is me. And it's that's why we call this town Music City. And I'm looking at him, and the shit hit me between the eyes like a ton of bricks. You know what I mean? Because this is like some deep, something deep about this was made that moment surreal and I couldn't even place why until I realized that here is the man, not just the average individual, the man who sat across the desk with Mayor Owen Bradley in the 50s when Owen was challenged by City Hall to change the name of the city to Country Music City. And Owen fought them and brought Chet into the picture to, you know, support the cause, right? And uh, through Chet's support and obviously Owen's influence, they pulled it through. So the guy that was telling me this was not just the average individual. You know, this this guy made it happen, right? This, is, this guy made this town Music City. I think that chime was a signal that's saying, you're doing good, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, it was telling. like, shit. Yeah. I'm thinking... But but beyond that, beyond that, yes, which yeah. is, it, I, I, I do appreciate that. Here's a deeper truth about it is that I was discovering for myself the purpose of my presence within this community. You know, whatever the level of contribution might have been, big or small, this is what I got to do. Whether some of them think I'm full of shit or not, it doesn't matter. You go back. I've done this shit. You know what I mean? I, am, I haven't just been talking about it. I've been doing it. I put my money where my mouth is. I lost my ass doing it. I mean, my cars got repo, uh, repossessed and I lost the house and the process and this and the other. I'm still here. I'm still fucking doing it. Yeah, that's right? what the advice a buddy of mine gave me is not how many times you get knocked down, but how many times you get up. Right, right. Great advice. I could care less. You know, there is there is that homeboy kind of no. How do you call it? The the you know good old good old boy boy. Yes, yeah. yeah that that's the term. <laughs> <laughs> uh, community that refuses to take me seriously, and it's okay by me. It's okay. I'm not here for anyone's approval, but other than living the life 
that I want to live. Yeah, yeah. You know what I That's mean? fantastic. And all of a sudden, I find myself on this path and fast forward from there another five years, six years, and I, f and I am in the, I'm playing a show at 12th and Porter. This is about 2000, somewhere around then. And I get done, I'm loading my drums in the car, and across the street there used to be a place called the Pub of Love, right? And it was a shithole, literally. I mean, it was the smallest place ever. It was, you couldn't put 20 people, but 40 tried, tried to sque squeeze in there every Tuesday night. And there was, and I hear this, all this, you know, noise going on and people making music. So I w decided that I was going to go and check it out. So I walk upstairs and there is John Rich and Big Kenny and John Nicholson, you know. They were the first night of what they were were calling music mafia. And I'm like, what is this? And, and, and uh, Big Kenny raises his hand and he goes, music mafia, music without prejudice, right? And now, Big Kenny and I don't didn't quite get along all that much. It wasn't anything bad. It was just personality differences. It was nothing, you know. He had played my club in, in the 90s and all that. Uh, but anyway, it was whatever. But that night, you know, I saw a completely different perspective inside of the guy. And John Rich comes up to me and goes, Pino, you got your drums in the car? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, why don't you go get him? And that began my path with Music Mafia. Was it planned? No. Was it, was it something that, you know, I had put on the schedule to do that night? No. But it was a determining moment for me to continue to take this path and walk with a community that represented a community from Nashville that represented Nashville's musical diversity. Gotcha. And you know this I mean? was after Cafe Milano? This was after okay, Cafe Milano, gotcha. 2001, I think. Okay. We, yeah, we sold Cafe Milano to Gibson, and I went and worked for them for a while, but the corporate world, mm -hmm. world at the time was not my thing. Yeah. You know? So anyway. So John Rich asked you to get your drums, so it's yeah, all, always so good to have your drums be, in the car for you well, young musicians. I, I was, you never know. I, right, no question. <laughs> but And people knew, uh, no, and for the longest time, I always had a drum, and I still do, actually. <laughs> yeah. I have a cajon in my bar, in, in my ca in uh, my trunk, just in case, because you never know. You know, it's Music City. But that became my walk, you know, with, towards, you know, with a community they represented Nashville's musical diversity. Then you go from there, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, I find myself into deciding to just get back into producing records, and this is about 12 years ago or so. Um, 03, 04, I started producing records. I started producing artists. I started putting all the experience that I had as a musician and having uh, the opportunity to play with such a broad spectrum of, art, of, of, uh, of, of artists and musicians from different backgrounds. Because when we w were touring with Music Mafia, we played with everybody from George Clinton to Jewel to Martina McBride to, you know, Sheryl Crow to, you know, it was to the some of the Marley uh, family guys and... and 
you know, bluegrass, rock, key rock, then pop and whatever, funk. And it was an open community that, that had no boundaries when it came to the styles. It was, it, it, the only requirement was that it, that it should be undeniable. I find myself once again looking in Nashville, you know, for artists to work with and getting back in and getting, getting even deeper into the, the culturally and musically diverse society. Mm-hmm. And this is while you're in Music Mafia or after? Right, right in the middle of okay, it. Okay, Right you. in the middle of it. And so, you know... I, we started really putting more of a face to it a couple of years ago that we started. And it was all about trying to finally put the spotlight on the streets of the community, you know. I ended up doing some work for some uh, film supervisors that did, you know, big movies and motion pictures, and they needed songs and productions that were of different genres of music from you know, a Brazilian kind of thing to a West African, you know, like uh, um, Kuti style, stylistically to indigenous cumbia from South America to, you know, med- uh, to uh, pop and electronic and world beat and all this, all this, and soul, right? And, 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 and I would go into the, the venues here in town and, and, and try to identify who best represented all these different styles of music. And when they called me for whatever they needed, you know, musically, I would go and, you know, write the song with those artists and develop a little bit of the catalog and, and just and produce the songs and then place them through in film and TV. And we had a pretty decent success for a period of time where I was put, putting my focus in that business. And I, I I, haven't been on that, which I need to get back into it because it was the way to make money, actually. But, um, but there, we, you know, we got some things on Justin Timberlake's movie, on Matthew McConaughey and Bruce Willis and ABC television. And, and there was a, a lady here in town who's been tremendous help with that whole thing was Anastasia Brown, who uh, is a the the one, probably the premier for what I know as far as I know this is the premier uh, music supervisor. music supervisor here in Nashville that works with an agency from Los Angeles called uh, Format Entertainment. Anyway. As I'm doing all this, I'm realizing, man, this is what we got to do. We got to put this spotlight because the shit was so good, you know, and it was so authentic. I mean, it wasn't just about the, the, the artists being able to deliver the style. It had to also be and sell it, you know, as vocalists, but it was had to also be with the background, the music, the, the arrangements, the musicianship. The ability to really bring that tonality and that cultural, you know, element to the music so that it could, you know, sound authentic and uh, and reflect authenticity. You know, it was it's it's a trick to do that. You know, it's not it's not 
as easy as people think. Oh yeah, I studied mambo or whatever, you know, style of music and I can play it. It's a, it's a one thing to play and it's the other thing to just make it translate on tape in such a way that it reflects, you know, as if it was cut in South America or whatever, or in Cuba, you know. So it's a little bit of magic. It does. It does. It takes, it takes the players knowing their shit, you know, and they're all here. And that's my point. And no, some of the best jazz musicians, R&B musicians, soul musicians, rock musicians. Yeah, Dave Mustaine, the uh, frontman of Megadeth, just moved down here yeah. uh, a year or two yeah. ago. Yeah, and all that is great, Ken. Lots of respect and lots of appreciation for that. Thank you. We thank them all for recognizing it, right? I can say that now because I've been here 24 years now, so... You know, I, I, I feel like I'm a Nashvilleian with an accent, you know, <laughs> at this point. But, you know, and I'm grateful for like Jack White and for the Black Keys and all these people to participate in that ABC TV special about Nashville's musical diversity. You know, they, they called it Nashville and uh, it was a documentary that talked about the community. And... Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? It was it was a documentary done by ABC called Nashville, not the Nashville yeah. TV the, show, yeah, you know, drama the narrative show. Yeah. yeah, it was a narrative documentary. Okay, it was a documentary talking about how many different styles of music yeah. are here in gotcha. this town, and it, and and all these superstars, you know, attested to that, and that is awesome. You know, because it certainly bring, brings a lot of credibility. However, what's really going to substantiate that is putting the spotlight on the community, on the streets of Nashville that represent the subcultures required and necessary to be able to breed those styles of music and just... and. And, and for them to have that authentic feel to them. It's not just learned in the school, it's lived in the streets. Hip-hop is li lives there. Jazz, blues, all that shit was born in the streets or in the fields. You know so, what I mean? So the feeling of the music or the the message behind it, the message within no, it? No, it's the subculture. You know, just the people that feel that way, that know how to feel that way. You To play a certain style of music, you know, need to not only know the notations and the technical dextricity of, of delivering the beat or the riff or whatever. It's also a matter of how you feel your yeah, yeah. tonalities and deliver them. And you know what I mean? Yeah, it's and an energy of it it's all. It's an energy yeah. behind it. And it's and, and it is you. It is it, you either got it and are it or you don't got it and you ain't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you I heard, know what I mean? heard a story of James Brown recently and they were saying like some of the things weren't perfected and whatnot when they were recording, but he felt the music and mm -hmm. it was, Hey, that's fine that this is off, 
but this feels good to me and and look at how successful and then how important and just just the energy and the emotion you feel from that music so i think instinctual is sometimes better than just the technical aspects is that the gist of it all to an extent yeah what is it asking you a question what is it that what creates instinct Inst- instinctive reaction. I think experience. To to me, it uh, that's what exactly. I, yeah. Well, an instinctive reaction that we might have in any given moment is a reflection of the culture and the li- the people that we have been surrounded by, that we have lived with, that we have shared with. Right. Mm-hmm. So. The way we think and the way we communicate, it's a reflection of our environment. Of course. Yeah. Right? So, and the way we communicate music is a reflection of our experience and the environment that we come from. If you don't have that community that basically brings that, that inter- interaction and that experience in your life, you'll have a hard time finding authentic expressions of that style of music. Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah, in a particular style. I mean, some people you have the stories of somebody that just kind of their expression, they figured it out on their own. So it's almost their own unique style that's within that genre. Yeah. It, it, yes, and and then then it's down to the individual and who they are, pers- you know, and and how. But you know, if you live in a community where you got a lot of people that you can play rock and roll with, basically, you know, and and they play right, and it's it's something they they grew up on and they live it every day, and you get to interact with these people that environment is going to influence you and when you're out there playing New York or LA or London or wherever the fuck you can do it why because it's what you're done who, mm-hmm. who you are you know that's one style or blues applies the same jazz you gotta have the right community of artists and they can push you they can you know they can push you every day I have pushed every every day Still, to this point, mm-hmm. I have so much farther to go in many ways, technically. Yeah, definitely expedites that. I know my, I, I push myself pr- pretty hard on my own. And, you know, I have some some people that in that regard that push me a little bit, but not to the extent that you're saying. So, yeah. so if I don't do it myself and I don't reach out, like just talking with you, even though it's filmmaking that I deal with, there's aspects that I see in your energy and the level that you operate at that that kind of allows me to push myself a little harder to mm. to expand and, and to just grow with it and to yeah. do better work in, in what I do, even though it is something a little different. Exactly. Still expression. No, of course. Of course. So while I would love for, you know, Jack White to show up at one of our gigs and jump on stage and play guitar, I think that the focus should be on the great rock guitar guitarists that are here in town that never had a hit that represent a whole you know pioneer uh, the, 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 a pioneering work in that style of music or and the same with world beat there are some cats here in town that have pushed that envelope to the max they 
are educators that are amazing there has got to be a way to put the spotlight on the streets of this community and showcase its diversity anyway could go on and on with this because of of the various things that we've done in, in uh, with that vision but one of the things that we're now doing is bringing artists independent artists that we've worked with or that we might not have worked with you know we don't it doesn't have to be one of our production it just so happened that it's gone that way because those are the people we work with every day and we sat around the table and we said what do you think about what do you guys think about this idea I, I explained it to them and they were all on board and so we are trying to basically bring this community of artists that represents Nashville's musical diversity it's called the community is called the other side of 615 and our little slogan around it is Nashville unseen music scene and uh, we think that it's a concept that can tour that gives us the opportunity to um, talk about a great community that it's mu uh, that it's music city that it's Nashville that already has a lot of commercial appeal and so we offer obviously uh, you know will will sort of uh, uh, tailgate to that is that the right term <laughs> it's like we uh, we cer certainly think we will benefit from you know from that from a commercial standpoint because it will it will kind of generate uh spark curiosity in people wanting to know because nashville is such an it community now yeah and i think the term piggyback yeah yeah exactly. it took piggyback. me a second yeah, too yeah, yeah you piggyback on piggyback that piggyback on that and yeah. but but at this at the same time, um, del and deliver a show that that goes from Americana to soul to pop to world beat to rock to EDM, and it's a it's a variety to, type show. Yeah, it's yeah. A, up to so a you get a little, a little taste of a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, cool. high energy. We'll have some uh, s mostly originals and some. Uh, revisited co covers of, of popular songs but high energy ending with a dance with live percussionist you know showcase yeah yeah and uh, and I think it's and it's a fun show to do and play and people have a great time and at the same time are educated about the fact the fact that Nashville is not only about Country, country music, music. Yeah. it's about beyond that Toda mi gente dice Yeah man It's time man Reach the sky Reach the sky Boom boom Con todo el amor, ese cual nos dio nuestro creador, y que sus 
sucedió con la compasión La cual no supiste dar al resto de la creación Y dice I don't want to be blue, no I just want to be true I don't want to cry Last night, I, I saw the show you did with Kevin Max, mm -hmm. and definitely you focused on a lot of classics through, mm -hmm. what, 50s through 80s? Mm -hmm. Correct. And with that, I saw the tie-in with a lot of your other side artists, you mm -hmm. know, Ben Sturgill, um, Auburn. Mm -hmm. uh, I know those are examples that you had have played for me. Mindy which, McHugh, okay. actually. Yeah. Jeremiah Abel. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there was a, a good tie-in Jeremiah tie played that. on that record with Kevin. Okay that we did with Kevin as well. Yeah, and I, I find that to be an interesting e example where mm -hmm. you're celebrating those classics but with your own style, your own sound, and, and Kevin's sound and his personality. And I'd never heard Kevin's music or had listened to him until you introduced me to his mm -hmm. music. And that's one of the things with this podcast. It's trying to introduce people to new new artists and, and people like yourself that are really passionate And I just find that that show last night was just fantastic. The sound mm -hmm. and the energy, it was really cool. I appreciate that. How did you come about, uh, how did you meet Kevin and start working with him? Man, I've, I've known Kevin since 97 because he did uh, a solo gig in my coffee shop. Man, he was a trip. Actually, he, he, he's always been a trip. I, I always... I looked at him and I thought that and loved him for that, you know, because he was such a real guy. He was in a very, very popular group uh, called DC Talk. They crossed over to, from Christian to pop and won a bunch of Grammys and all that. And then he pursued his own career. But he was, yeah, he just came in and did an acoustic show. This guy was playing arenas at the time, you know what I mean? And, and still has you know gigs with in big festivals and such but he is to me more than anything else Kevin Max is a musical journey on its own and he's one of the best vocalists in popular music today without a question can be on stage anywhere anytime and not miss a beat. He is a monster and singer. His range I mean, is just, phenomenal. And the, but also the texture yeah. of his voice. It just is so, it's just, I, I love it. I mean, I've loved working with him. And, and I was talking to John Painter last night and, and John was telling me as well, I love working with him too because he's not afraid of going there. I mean, he's not afraid of You, you, when we brought him ideas that were, you know, like the type of arrangements we did on some of these songs, you just gotta know how to sing that shit, or you, or, you know, you, you, or people are gonna call you out, you know, and and without an itch, and he loves it, and he, and we were talking about how cool that only cool thing about the status quo of the music industry right now is that. We don't have the labels telling us what we can't or can't do. We can do it all, and we can go there, and he will go there with you. 
you know. Yeah, when you when I first met you, you played me the uh, last night. I, I dreamt someone I, someone loved me. The Smiths mm-hmm. cover, mm-hmm. and I thought instantly. I, I didn't know the original song, but I thought, man, this sounds like a James Bond song. Mm-hmm. So I haven't heard the original arrangement but what you guys have done it was just right away i could see that or hear that along with a movie on on the big screen yeah just incredible thank you this road is never ending before i find love few months that I've known Pino I, I don't recall ever seeing him wear jewelry and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to speak with Kevin Blumenkamp and see about creating some bling for him uh, Pino's a simple guy I don't know if he's really into the bling he's he's more into the music but we may have to have to get some sort of signature piece uh, Kevin is currently based in the beautiful mountains of Kentucky and it uh, wouldn't wouldn't be really hard for him to make a house called a Pino to Nashville it's only about five or six hours away and I'm sure you could come up with a signature piece or Maybe even comes up with a, a line of drum-inspired piece, a squilache. You know, the, the right gift for the drummer in your life, squilache. Kevin has over 21 years' experience working in the craft of, of jewelry making. I, I guess I should ask him what the proper term is. 12 years blacksmithing, so he's created other pieces as well. So maybe it's a custom piece of furniture that, that he's creating for you, and I'm sure that there's space in the... Creative Caffeine Studios, which uh, which Pino leases to create his work uh, for a piece of functional art from Kevin. A guy who is a wonderful collaborator and is happy to create something unique for, for you. Give him a call, 314-346-6498, and come up with something together. How'd you get started in music? That's how it got started with... In 1982. I oh, just, in the music industry. When did you start industry. playing? When did you start oh, played, getting in a percussion? I was playing drums? back then. I was starting to play back then in those days. I was really young. Oh, so you started then. You didn't mm-hmm. start back in Italy? In Italy is where I okay, was. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, in Italy in 1982. I came to American level on in life. Okay, so you didn't start like five years old. You started in your teens? No, I started, yes. I started about late teens. Okay. Yeah. And then... Professionally, it was, you know, about maybe 10 years later, you know, 27, 28. Okay. Yeah, you know, 24, 25. Great. So that was in Italy, you, mm-hmm. and then 
you started playing. Now, did you grow up in Milan? Uh, yeah, I lived in Milan for 19 years and uh, five years in Florence. And uh, I was born in, in Calabria. I lived there for two years. Calabria is uh, the last region prior to Sicily, uh, down in the boot. <laughs> yeah, so with Napoli, is that below Napoli? Gotcha. Napoli, yeah. And then when, uh, you know, one story you had told me was was your struggle or your recovery. Mm-hmm. I, I think is is the best part. The best part of the story from from drug addiction. Yeah, we talked I mean, about that last night a little bit. Yeah, it was it was kind of it's kind of interesting because had I started with this subject, you know, the, this whole path started in the streets of Milan for me and uh, because you know while professionally I decided to get in the music business after doing the producing the show for for Phil Kagi in Florence in that tent river that uh, in the tent theater on the riverfront in, in downtown Florence um, how I got to that point was that f- about two years prior, I was uh, in uh, rehab because I was a as a teenager I was a horrible horrible heroin addict and cocaine addict, and uh, the 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 program was called Teen Challenge, which is a Christian organization from America. And uh, it was started by David Wilkerson, and one of the, and then it became an international thing. And they opened a center in 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 uh, Aquiterme, which is outside of Asti. And there was this this rehab center that, after you know, a terrible overdose and going into a coma, and they didn't think I I would ever wake up. And uh, a doctor, and then I just o- opened my eyes, and the doctor, first thing he said to me was, it's a miracle. And I really believe he was. You know, there was a reason that my time hadn't come yet, obviously. And I wasn't supposed to be going because of whatever reason. And did find out why, you know, and that was that as I went into that rehab center, I... You know, had a personal experience with with Christ, and and just uh, was and found freedom from heroin addiction. I mean, complete. I have not touched. People have always, you know, at times suspected me about doing cocaine or whatever because I toured with rock and roll stars and. You know, it obviously a lot of that shit, you know, I've crossed paths on the road. You know, who hasn't, you know? Yes, but I have not touched it since 1980. And and it's a fact. I don't give a shit if people believe it or not, but that's the truth. And, um, well, long story short, in that rehab center, there were... A couple of missionary guys that wanted to come and help. You know, they were just helping in the in in the in the center, and I got to meet them. 
And then when I got done with my my time there, for, I was there 14 months. And after the whole program was over, the program is normally 13, but it lasted 14 for me for <laughs> whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> once I got out, I went. We I moved with two with four or five of these guys to Florence, Italy, and we opened a rehab center there, right? We opened a rehab center on the Chianti Hills in the, on, in the Florence region, in Tuscany. And um, so we opened this place, and after our experience through going through living for 14 months in a rehab center, we kind of wanted to rethink some of the things, you know. And so we decided that the best way was to to rehabilitate those kids was to give them a way to become, you know, teach them how to become productive citizens. And so we built two little companies. One was we we were building fairs. I'm sorry, booths for exhibits and fairs and exhibits, expositions. You know, like fashion you know exhibits or whatever we would create so something art related yeah no it was it was building the booth oh okay gotcha you know building for, the booth for the artists for the the, the convention center okay, gotcha. kind of stuff right so and the other one was a music label and I ran the music label part of it and that's how I got into the music industry was had I never been had I never been an, a heroin addict I probably would not be here today that's that's really interesting. Isn't that Because your music's so amazing. No, and, I appreciate wow. that. But you see my point? Yeah, yeah, that because, would be, yeah. Because, I mean, I was a heroin addict. I was dying. And because of that, I went to rehab. I got saved in that time and had this whole experience and got close to a few of those staff members and we move and we start another rehab center we build two companies one of them is a music a record company that record company is the one that got me to build to that that community is the one that got me to actually start do the concert with Phil Kaye in Florence Right. Yeah. So we're coming back around, and yeah, we're coming back around, and then from there, you know, I end up meeting Norman Miller in Nashville. After years, I, I, you know, because yeah. of that, I had these connections in the gospel music industry in in America, yeah. and and now I'm. I, that's why and I'm in Nashville. And yeah. Now we're here where you're mentoring these great artists. I'll be interviewing Ben Sturgill as well. We'll right. have a conversation and, and his work. I, I just feel that the storytelling in his work, the emotion, this, the human condition, it's when I listen to his work, it really allows me to reflect on a lot of things in my own life. Yeah. And it gets me thinking, it gets me feeling. And, uh, Looking at things, this conversation with you is wonderful to see how those elements, because I often think, oh, if this 
if this were to happen, I would be in this place. If it, but because it didn't, I'm in this place right now, sitting in mm-hmm. this room in mm-hmm. your studio, a place where you're mentoring mm-hmm. all these great young artists and helping them tell their stories. I mean, how do you feel about that, bringing up a, a younger artist and somebody in, and pushing them a bit and, and giving them that education and helping them with that? How, how does that make you feel? It's tremendously satisfying to me because... It is so good for me to be able to apply what I've lived, what I've gone through over the last 30 plus years about, you know, in this business and be able to contribute to this 20 something year old who's walking around, around with his instrument in a cloud of confusion, you know, because all they have is what they're feeling through their music and it's such part of their identity that it overshadows who they even are and when in working with them and helping them find who they are individually is part of the process you know to be in touch with the necessary for them to truly express themselves as who they are the, the 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 key element in in that whole pro the the objective in that whole process is to help them find their musical identity but without having an identity defined for yourself as an individual that is comfortable within certain within certain shoes in certain environment you will never be able to just fully have the 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 confidence to go be who you are you know am i making any sense yeah it's good to yeah. to, to have a mentor it helps you uh, i guess it gives you let that, me start, that buffer yeah let me start that over again because i think i i even i just went around it that's okay much. yeah we'll give a little pause and then the um the 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 experience of developing an artist and helping that and helping them find their sound and helping them translate what they're feeling on tape as a recording artist is tremendously satisfying to me. It's because it allows me to draw from so many years of having been in this world of 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 music and and providing that direction and then watching them being exactly that on stage the first time out with a you know couple of tweaks here and there you know some fuck ups in the you know during the show you miss a note you miss a key you just get off pitch sometimes or miss a beat or whatever and that's part of the beauty of it's live part, music and live it, performing exactly yeah. with all that but you know I, I was I've seen it with band I've seen like you know we, we knew each other we've known each other for close to 8-10 years now and we did a couple of recordings a few years back and uh, we evolved over the few years into an amazing relationship you know we we had our ups and downs he moved to LA then he came back and we started working again together 
But the amazing thing is that from the previous record he did with a, another producer and and it was a great record. February Blue was a was a, was a really great record. It was uh, but what we we did on Music Box was a completely different experience and it was the side of him that I saw. It wasn't about the side of what I brought to the table. It was more about who he was as an artist, who he was as an artist. And uh, so bringing out, so if you're, you're seeing something that he maybe not saw in himself and somebody you having that well, mentor. Well, I, I think he had, no, I mean, Ben was a little farther down the road, you know, than a lot of guys as an artist he's not necessarily a new artist when we started last year you know but he he's been doing it you know a lot and he's traveled his own roads and also learned a lot in LA from some amazing people but when we got together you know there was a perspective that he knew about but he wasn't he you know there was a there was all I did I think he was helping him view that side of him and be more in touch with that and really go for it and then you know you know I helped realize what the orchestration should be you know how what we need to add to them is music and you know we produced that record together take me somewhere far from here like a carousel Spinning through the sky Make me dizzy from your kiss You've got me My lead was in the fact that, you know, in, in creating the production and the orchestration and working with him on the arrangements and bringing in the right sounds for it, you know, and all of a sudden it translated amazingly. We walk on stage the first time, man, we knew it. The first, when, when he, you know, it was a natural to him, you know. And uh, Auburn, the same thing, very young lady. And she's, uh, we've been working, wanting to work together. We have been wanting to work together for the past two and a half years. And then a year after we, we first met, we f reconnect and start working together. And all of a sudden she's, her, her stage presence and how 
the sh the, her music is represented is just perfectly correlating with what's on the record. I think that's a, that's an amazing thing to me to be able to do, and I'm and it is something that I'm honored to do, and it's a huge responsibility because you're not always right, you know. I mean, we're gonna mess up, you know, plenty, and we have, you know, but that's what we love about what we do. Yeah, a couple more questions. What what do you define? Is there a specific sound? That you, that you would say this is the creative caffeine sound, or is it more? It kind of flows with with what's within that artist that you're working with. I mean, creative caffeine is a recording studio. The Boom Labs is who we represent in terms of, as artists, you know, and as producers, you know. And the sound that we bring to the table is unique to who we are. As musicians we've done all different styles of music there are things we prefer over others but I prefer not to talk about that because the moment you do people are only gonna come to you for that and it's not necessary because I've loved working with Jack Wesley Ruth who co-wrote a ton of stuff with Johnny Cash and Waylon and just a lot of classics and you know he is he's a poet and he's a you can't call him country you can't call him folk but he's an Americana he's he's you can call him whatever you want but he's a poet and I loved doing that yet I'm a world percussionist. I grew up on the Mediterranean, but still I was doing heroin on Led Zeppelin. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, who am I? I'm a confused son of a bitch. I've got a lot of bags. Who are you? Oh, is that who you are? Well, let me go in this room and get that bag out and see what I got in there. And if it applies to you. And it will have influences. Do you like influences? I like influences. I like influences. Yeah, influences are good. Until they corrupt. Yeah. Well, you can't. You, I think you can't buy into who you or are. Rely heavily on no. on one influence. No, you gotta be yourself. But you gotta allow the colors of life. Yeah. I you know, that. to just help you paint that picture. Am I making sense? Yeah. No, it's definitely culmination of our experiences. So, how can uh, how can people find out more about what you guys are creating and what you're doing here? Website, um, uh, website Twitter, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, my Twitter and my Instagram are Pino Squilage, and do I need to spell? I'll it? put links. Okay, and then you got my the Boom Labs, and then Pino Musica. Are the other websites Great. and uh, yeah because what you're doing is phenomenal my friend I want to want more so people much. to check it out because I've really felt it so I want I want uh, the audience and more people out there in the world to feel it as well so I can't thank you enough for taking the time to sit down and tell it's me your pleasure. story it's my pleasure grazie mille grazie a te
Shadows from the star. Guess I've always been shy. You don't know 